Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. And it is a beautiful day, and we're glad you're here with us. And may we now lift up our worship, our praise, and our love as we come to the Lord our God. Lord, be with us in these forty days. Let us sing your And we just stand as we join together in our hymn of celebration number 295. We'll sing the first three verses in the cross of Christ I glory.
As we continue with an attitude and a heart for prayer and worship, may we join in our prayer hymn. 171, there's something about that name. God, we come to you in prayer today to give you thanks and praise as we share together in this time of worship to experience your presence and the gift of the Spirit moving in our lives. As we lift up our praise, we give you thanks for the gift of birthdays and anniversaries and celebrations, all the blessings that you've shared with us that we acknowledge and don't always recognize or acknowledge. We give you thanks. And within that praise, we too lift up the burdens on our hearts for those who are sick and hurting, those in the hospital or at home who need your loving embrace, who need your healing touch. Gracious God, we lift up those who are struggling to make ends meet, who are struggling with issues and challenges that they face. But we know that you are a God who provides, a God who hears our cries. So we ask that on this day in worship that we might come before you to be still, to wait upon you, to feel your loving embrace. Gracious God, we come now in silence. Glorious Lord, you are a God of new beginnings and of great opportunities that you are truly faithful as we trust in you and put our hope in you that you will never leave nor forsake us. And for this, we give you praise. So may we continue to lay our burdens before you, to lay our hopes and fears at the foot of the throne of your grace to know that you do hear our prayers. And in your time and in your way, you bring an answer. But I pray that we will have the ears to hear and a willingness to receive that answer. So God, as we lift up these our prayers to you, may we too, as a community in faith, lift our voices to pray the prayer that your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, taught. 
that we too might pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. receive our morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings.
thanks and praise as we offer to you these our gifts, tithes, and offerings. May you bless and multiply these our gifts as we be faithful to the ministry to which you've called us. Through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.
listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear this scripture from St. John, chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha, and there they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but write, This man says, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. This is God's word for God's people. Thanks, Thanks be, be unto God. God. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for the reading of your holy word. And pray now the blessing of your spirit upon this word, that having heard it, having read it on page with paper and ink, now becomes by your Holy Spirit a living word. And as the good seed that finds its way to good soil, digs deep roots and brings forth harvest, may now this, the seed of the word of God, dig deeply into the soil of our souls and bring to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God, and in whose name we pray, asking his blessing on all this day and in the continuing of Lent as we remember his power, his love, and his presence. Amen. Amen. We stand at the foot of the cross again today, and our scripture says in John 19, 16 through 18, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross, which he went out to the place of the cross, and there they crucified him with two others, one on each side, and him in the middle. In the last five weeks, we have stood with many on the day that Jesus died at the foot of the cross. We have stood with a soldier. We stood with the crowd. We stood with Mary and John. We stood with an unknown face in the crowd. And today we stand with Pontius Pilate at the foot of the cross. But, but wait a minute. Was Pilate ever at the cross? He was at the judgment seat on the praetorium floor in the palace when he condemned Jesus to death. But did he ever see Jesus crucified? Let's take a look. At that. I'm reminded of the day in Sunday school that the children were asked to draw a picture of what they had learned about Jesus' birth and Jesus' death. And the teacher watches the children, became busy watching uh, them make their pictures and their drawings. And the teacher looked at one of the results. This child's drawing showed a passenger jet with a pilot and what was obviously the Holy Family sitting in the back. And the teacher exclaimed, that is not in the Bible. And the child has said, yes, it is. That's Pontius the pilot, and this is the flight to Egypt. 
So who is this Pontius Pilate? History shows that he was the sixth person to be in power since Judea was taken over by the Romans and what we know as the Holy Land became a Roman province. History says that he was cold, he was cruel, he was a calculating man. We are told that he was one who would do anything to further his own purposes. His main job was to keep order amongst the Jews of the reason. Now, you see, at Passover, this would be a particularly difficult thing because then there were some two million Jews that came to Jerusalem for the Passover. Can you imagine what a job it would be to take care of that many people? And tensions were high. And there was a talk of a revolt. And there's these rumors going about about another king. And there is a talk that there could be an uprising. And Pilate wants the Jews subdued. And at this juncture, he becomes the consummate politician and compromiser. You see, he doesn't seek justice. He doesn't look at the facts for himself. He only wants to keep his job. He kind of goes into an automatic mode, what, what I call autopilot. That's as good as I get. <laughs> Do you know how long it took me to come up with that? <laughs> but understand the background. Pilate is already on thin ice with Caesar. There have already been two uprisings of the Jews at this point, and Caesar has basically stated three strikes and you're out, Pontius. And Caesar was well known for executing ineffective governors. On one occasion, when the Jews rioted against Rome, they were brought into an amphitheater, and Pilate threatened to behead them all. And so to call his bluff, they all took their robes down and spared their necks and say, cut them off. But he backed down. But it got back to Rome, and they didn't like what had happened. The Jews again rioted when he took money from the temple treasury to build aqueducts in Jerusalem. And in the riot, he had many of them clubbed and stabbed to death. Luke 13, 1 mentions this when it speaks of the Galilean whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Pilate knew that if he had probably one more blight on his record, he would probably be a goner. Now it's time for Jesus' trial, and Pilate cannot afford for things to get out of hand, so he acts not on what is right, but what is expedient. What's best for him and his career? Now, there's an interesting background footnote to this story. In 1961 at Caesarea in Philippi, right on the Mediterranean Sea, for the very first time of its kind, there was an inscription found with Pilate's name on it. I've seen both the original in the museum there as well as the copy in the place where it was found, and it was inscribed this way. The Tiberium, that is the temple dedicated to the worship of Tiberius, the Tiberium of the Caesareans, Pontius Pilate, prefect of Judea, has given. And this inscription illustrates how the Judean government bowed and scraped before Caesar, building a nice temple in his name and saying, look how much I love you, Caesar. And so trying to garner favor for himself. And it harmonizes beautifully with the New Testament account that casts him in a similar light of seeking peace at any cost. The sustained corroboration of Bible history by the means of archaeological discovery truly is faith building. 
What eventually happened to Pilate? Well, he was deposed and sent to Rome by Lucius Vitalis after harshly suppressing a Samaritan uprising, arriving in Rome for punishment just after the death of Tiberius Caesar, which occurred on March 16th in AD 37, which means that Pilate being replaced by Governor Marcellus did it only four years after the death of Jesus himself. That was how close history pronounced his judgment upon Pilate. But back to our original issue. Was Pilate at the cross or not? I do not personally think that he went to the cross, but the effect of his actions were felt at the cross. Our scripture states in verses 19 and 21, Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek, the main languages of Israel, the official government, and the lingua franca of the language of commerce. So that meant every Gentile, every Jew, every person going through Jerusalem because they could see the sign, knew that here was a man who proclaimed himself to be king of the Jews. And the Jewish priests, the leaders of the people, did not want to think that they saw Jesus as such. And the chief priests protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. As we have shown, Pilate obviously was a man prone to follow popular opinion. By the law in his own heart, he could find no fault in Jesus, and yet he freed Barabbas, the murderer, and had Jesus flogged. He let go the man who was guilty and condemned the man that was innocent. And subjecting the Son of God to the merciless ridicule and the torture of the Roman soldiers. But in this, we see this ironic role of the divine plan of God working through Pilate to fulfill the prophecies that Jesus would die for us. Now remember that the only way that Jesus could atone for the sins of the world would be if he were without guilt. Now many had accused Jesus. Many said he broke the law. Many claimed that he was God, for which he was. He was said that he did not honor the Sabbath for healing people and for doing good. He said he was the Lord of the Sabbath, and yet they said he broke the Sabbath. But it said that Pilate could find no fault in him. Yes, Pilate was at fault for not letting Jesus go. But it was in his quest in that time that we saw the divine plan of God fulfilled. In the chapter just before ours of John 19, in John 18, 38, Pilate asked the question, what is truth? But in essence, Pilate was not even true to himself and would take the innocent son of God and have him crucified on the cross. And so the leaders of the Jews insist that Pilate change the words that Pilate at last, having been pushed to the ends of truth, being pushed by the Jews and their leaders to a place where he was backed into the corner for once in his life, stood up and spoke a truth 
and said, what I have written, I have written, and so shall it stand. And so we now find ourselves, although not actually there on the day of the crucifixion as Pilate was not, also standing at the foot of the cross. And no matter whether we identify ourselves today behaving like a betrayer, a cowardly disciple, a condemning judge, a religious fanatic, a grieving mother, a faithful disciple, Jesus loves us all the same. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be one of pious prayers of devotion or even live an exemplary life to understand that Jesus loves us all. For that is what the word of the cross says to us when Pilate said, what I have written, I have written that he is the king of our lives. Today, as we stand at the foot of the cross, what inscription have we written about who Christ is to us? Indeed, our lives are like the inscription that we will put upon that cross. And unlike Pilate, we can't just sit on the fence and not make a decision because, you see, no decision is a decision. Are we just going with the flow? Are we too just doing what is expedient? In our lives, are we too looking to this and asking, will we call him king or just say that he was said to be the king? Someone once wrote, yet I am finding it hard pushed and pulled by the throngs to look at him, fully man and fully God that I have wronged. My sin is the sin that holds him there. He abides with the pain so that I can share in the freedom of a relationship with God, that I may never have to be at odds with him again. The chasm so wide now merely a step apart, the step to agree and understand in my heart that God loves me, forgives me, even me. Let's be plain, my wrongs were erased before I could even praise the name of this man upon the cross. He gave me the ultimate head start. In these next two weeks of Lent, I ask you to stand with Pilate and ask, what would you have written about who Jesus Christ is to you? And that having so written it, you would stand by its truth and face what Christ has done for you that would send him to the cross that every one of us might know the forgiveness and the love of God. For that is the power of the cross. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for the life and love and grace that you have shown to us that at the foot of the cross where Jesus died, each of us finds our place. And upon that inscription, O oh God, what shall we write? Is he truly the king of our lives or not? And if he is, then to die to our own selves that we might live unto life. 
that we might be raised unto resurrection and live in hope and promise that death power has been taken from the grave and given to us the power of everlasting grace through Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior in whose name we pray amen As I look out, I see we have lots of extra time here. <laughs> but I have written what I have written. <laughs> so let's stand up and sing. <laughs> Number 298, When I Survey the Wonders Cross.
and go forth today to live God's love, to share, share God's grace, to be a light to this world as we serve. May you go now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to love and to serve now and forever. Amen. 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 Amen.